1519, there was a Spanish explorer. His name was Hernando Cortez. Hernan Cortez. And he was exploring what is now known as Mexico. And her, 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 Hernando Cortez had over 500 men with him. And, and, and 11 ships. And they land onto the shores of Mexico. And he orders his men to, as it's been said now, to burn the ships. But he really didn't tell them to actually set the ships on fire. That's just what it turned into. That's the idea behind what he said. What he told them to do was he told them to scuttle the ships. He told them to disassemble the ships and take the timber, take the wood and the supplies that were from the ship and to make huts, to make places for the men to live. And and in making that declaration to his men, making that order to his men, what was... What was Captain Hernando Cortez saying? What was Cortez saying? He was telling his men, we're not going back. Like, yeah, we came here to explore, but we didn't just come here to explore and go back home and tell people what it's about. We came here to explore to take over. We came to, here to explore to conquer. We are not going back. We are not turning our back. And that's where this phrase, burn the ships, came from. And this is the mindset that I believe that we all individually have to have in our life as Christians. We have to have a burn the ships mindset as Christians. That it, that we are, we're all in, in our Christian life. We, we have, for the lack of a better term, we have pushed all of our chips in with the Lord. We're not turning back. We are all in. We have, we have, we have thrown away every escape option. We've thrown away every path back to our old life. We are all in with Christ. And that is what it takes. When you're thinking about a new year, and you're saying to the Lord, Lord, I want you to use me. I want my life to count for something for the kingdom. I want to make an impact for the kingdom. And my prayer is that you feel that way. My prayer is that as a believer, that that is the cry of your heart, that you actually do feel that way as a believer. That your prayer is, God, I want to make an impact for your kingdom today in somebody's life. I want to make an impact for your kingdom in somebody's life tomorrow and the next day and the week after that and the the week after that. And I want my year, as I look back a year in review, I want there to be a trail of gospel impact behind me. Is that your desire? Is that your desire? Well, then I'm telling you, the only way that's going to happen is if you have a burn the ships mindset. That's, a, that's, that's, the, that's the conviction of my heart. That's the heart that I have to have. That's the heart that you have to have, that we are all in. We will not make powerful gospel impact in this community, in our families, and in this community, and around the world, unless we are all in. And I'm not the first one to say that. I didn't come up with that idea. Who came up with that idea? Jesus did. Listen to Jesus, Matthew 16. He says this, and Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What did Jesus say about following him? It's, it's, it's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of being all in. It's a life of, it's a life of taking up our cross daily and laying down our life for Him every single day. That's the Christian life. Jesus also said this in John chapter 6. You had a group of Jesus, Jesus began to talk to His followers and He began to tell them what it really meant to follow Him and He made this crazy statement. 
Crazy statement. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And people looked at Jesus and said, what is going on with this guy? But what was Jesus saying? He wasn't establishing communion. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, condoning cannibalism. What was he saying? He was saying, unless you're willing to go all in with me, unless you're willing to go all the way, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to suffer and die. And if you're going to be a follower of me, it's going to cost you everything. And so listen to what happened after he made that bold statement, John 6, 66. And, and as they were going along the road, Actually, that's the wrong verse. I'm so sorry. It's the wrong verse. Actually, that's my conclusion to my sermon. So you got a little, or, or, I have never done that before. Man, I lost all my, all my momentum, all my mojo. It's all gone. It's a new year. We're starting over. That is hilarious. I just, that's my, that is the last verse of my sermon. Ah, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to it later. Thank you, Brother Greg. We all need second chances. I'm, I'm going to have to recover. I can't get over that. Luke 9, Jesus said this. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say Pharaoh to those who are at home. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and does what? And looks back is fit for the kingdom. Take up our cross, follow him, and we don't look back. So what was Jesus saying to his disciples? He was saying, burn the ships. If you're going to follow me, you have to burn the ships. And that is Christianity. That's what Christianity is. I've burned every transportation back to my old life. It's all gone. That's what it means to be a Christian. Being a Christian doesn't mean that, yeah, I'm taking Jesus along with me in this race of the Christian life. And I'm going to leave my options open. No, it's all in or it's all out. That's the Christian life. And so if you're going to make, if I'm going to make gospel impact, into 2020, it's going to be because we have burned the ships. There's no retreat. And the text I want to look at this morning as we think about this, this burn the ships mindset, I think Hebrews chapter 12, this is the text we're going to look at, we're going to unpack here this morning. I think of Hebrews 12 as a great section for us to think about when we're thinking about the Christian life, the Christian race that we're called to. I believe there's some answers for us about what it takes to have that burn the ships mindset. Let's read Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." So as we're thinking about burning the ships, and as we're thinking about this race we're all called to as Christians, what does the writer of Hebrews, what does he tell us that will help us in this race? And the first thing I see is this from the text, is that you can't run the race with extra baggage. That's what he says there. Look at what he says in this first section. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight 
and sin which clings so closely. We cannot run the Christian race and be all in with extra baggage. I was telling that to somebody and, and they, they rubbed their belly. as like, tell me about it. <laughs> you can't run with extra baggage. And you know that even as a runner. You can't run if you got weights on you, right? How many of you are runners here today? You run for fun. Got one over here, one over here. How many of you run for exercise? It's 2020. <laughs> What'd you do on January 1st? Yeah, I'll tell you what I did on January 1st. I got on my bike. And I said, you know, I'm going to start riding my bike. So I charted it around the neighborhood. And I got, I got in my car. And, and one lap or the long way around the neighborhood, because we have a center uh, a, a lane there. The long way around the, the neighborhood is, is 0.7 miles from the beginning of my driveway. So I charted it out. And so my goal was to do three laps. And that was 2.2 miles. And so I did it the first day. And then I did it the second day. And I did it the third day. And I wake, woke up yesterday. And I'm feeling good. And I get out. And it's just it's energizing me. I get out. And there's... There's like 15 mile per hour gale force winds in my face this direction as I'm headed up to the road. And so, I mean, it's hard. So I get around lap one. And I get around lap two. And as I'm coming around lap two, I'm like, I I think this is it. I don't know if I could do lap two. Like my legs were burning. But, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not, look, we're going to do three laps. So I, I, I go three laps. I come into the house. And I am hurting today. My leg is hurt. I pulled something. It's back behind my knee right here. You can ask my wife. I mean, all night I'm up tossing and turning. I, I, it, I, something's hurt back there. And, and so this, this wind, I believe the wind and the extra pressure, the extra weight slowed me down. And that's what it is. That's what it's like when we, when, when we race, when, when, we, when we're training to race, right? These are ankle, these are ankle weights, right? These are extra weight. And, but if you're going to run... You want to train to run, right? So you put the weights around your, your ankle, and I'm not going to do it here today. These are five-pound weights. Uh, I don't know if you do, would do that. Uh, five pounds is too heavy or not. But So you, you put that on, on your ankles, and, and you, you run, and you're training to run. But when you go to take off, when you go to actually run for the race, what do you do? Why? Because you can't have five, you can't have 10 pounds of weight around your legs trying to run, right? Just like that wind against me. I shouldn't ride the bike when that happens. I hurt myself. I believe you'd hurt yourself too if you ran with this. And this is the picture that the writer of Hebrews is saying. We're all in a race. So there's weights that are around our life. The enemy tempts us with weight, weights in our life that, that if we're going to run effectively in our life, we have to lay aside every weight and every sin that clings so closely to us. What are the weights in our life? And it's interesting when you think about what he said there. He said weights and sin. There's two different things, two different categories. And when, when you study into the languages in, within the text, there is really two different pictures the writer of Hebrews is painting. That there are weights, but then there is also sin. And I want to look at both of those. What are the weights, but also what are the sins that cling so closely to us that prevent us from running the race that's in front of us? We've got to lay them aside. Specifically, for these Hebrew Christians, the whole book of Hebrews has one purpose. The whole book of Hebrews' purpose is to tell Hebrew Christians, Jewish Christians, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. They were being tempted, these Jewish Christians, these new converts were being tempted to take Judaism and the rituals and the Levitical law and to incorporate them into new covenant living. And so the, book of, the purpose of the book of Hebrews is to tell them, you don't have to do that. 
That it's Jesus and his once for all sacrifices, all that you need. He, you don't have to continue to make sacrifices in the temple for your sins because Jesus, once for all, made a sacrifice for all time for the sins of all of humanity. And you don't have to continue down that road. And so the picture that the writer of Hebrews is saying is that is a weight that you are adding to your life trying to live this way according to the Old Testament law and you're not called to live that way. You, are li- you, you, you live now by faith in the sacrifice, once for all sacrifice of Christ. Maybe that's you here today, specifically. Maybe, maybe you fall in that same category. Maybe you are like that. Maybe you are carrying weight on your life, thinking that even though I'm a Christian, I still have to carry the burden of trying to prove myself to God. You don't have to try to prove and earn God's love. You received God's love and what he poured out for you on the cross by faith, and you don't have to try to prove to God that you deserve his love. Actually, actually, none of us do. Let that, let that sink in. None of us deserve his love. None of us can earn his love. None of us can earn his grace. None of us by good deeds can earn any approval from God. It's, it's only by God's grace that whenever we surrender to what he did on the cross for us, that is whenever he sets his approval on us by faith. Is that because we have acknowledged his son, Jesus Christ. And so you need to be free from that weight. Maybe you're carrying that weight, but maybe there's some other weights that, that you're carrying. Maybe your 2019 was marked by discouragement. Maybe your 2019 was marked by disappointment. Any disappointments here today? Maybe you're carrying over into your 2020 discouragement and disappointment. Maybe it's failure. Maybe it's worry. Maybe, maybe you're carrying over into 2020 worries about situations and anxieties about situations that aren't resolved in 2019 and you are weighed down. And I want to tell you here today, you have to lay aside all of those weights. You have to lay them down if you're going to run effectively, just like you can't run the race physically with these five pound weights around your ankles, so it is in your Christian life. You have to lay down the weights and the burdens that you have carried into 2020 if you've carried them into this year. You gotta lay them down. Maybe it's depression or anxiety. And you know what's interesting? The language there, he says, the writer of Hebrews says this, that those weights, they cling so closely. Has that been your experience in your life? When you've gone through discouragement and disappointment and fear, anxiety, depression, failure. Isn't that true? It's like they cling so closely there ever before you. You wake up and if you're discouraged and overwhelmed and depressed, it's like it's here. It's all you know. It's in front of your face 24 hours a day. Discouragement and fear, anxiety, worry. We have to lay them down. What does the word say in Matthew chapter 11? Jesus said this, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. You have to, we have to lay down these burdens before the Lord. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. If your 2019 has been marked by these type of weights, I'm here to encourage you today. Come today and lay all those weights down at the feet of Jesus Christ. Lay them all down. I want to specifically say this. For some of us, our 2019 was marked by failure. You blew it in 2019. Maybe 2018. Maybe you've been carrying it for years. Maybe you've been carrying your failure for years and your life has been marked by your failure, your past failure. 
And so you're coming into 2020 and you are taking into 2020 this identity of a failure. You're taking the failure, the mistakes you've made, and you're, and, and, you're, and you're being tempted by the enemy to carry that identity into 2020. I want to tell you that you, you can lay that down. That if you've made a mistake and you've blown it, that your failure does not have to mark your new year. Amen? Amen. Your failure doesn't have to mark your new year. For some of us, we must let go of the failures of 2019. We blew it. We made terrible mistakes. But 2020 does not have to be defined by failure. What does God's word say about his mercy? It's new every morning. Just as the sun faithfully comes up every morning, so is it with God's mercy. It comes up faithfully every day. So whatever mistake you made here today, I'm here to tell you, you can start again. Your 2020 does not, you don't have to carry over the tendencies, the habits, the addictions, the failure into this new year. You can lay them down at the foot of the cross here today. New year. It's a new day. Learn from your mistakes. Grow in Christ, but leave the past in the past. Have you ever heard it said, there's no future in your past? There's no future in your past. It's done. Leave the past in the past. And move forward into 2020. Lay down the weights of discouragement, disappointment, failure, anxiety, worry, fear, or depression. Lay them down. Secondly, what does he say there? He says that it's sin. There's also sin that clings closely. Not only these weights in our life, but there's also sin. Sin will weigh you down in your life. Sin will, sin will slow you down in your spiritual journey with Christ. Sin, sin will seek to take over your life. Sin will seek to control you in your life. Listen to what the Lord said in Genesis chapter 4 to Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel brought their sacrifice and and Abel gave the pleasing sacrifice, but Cain did what he wanted to do. Isn't that what sin is? We do what we want to do. Cain did what he wanted to do, and so God was not pleased because Cain did not obey the Lord. He didn't do what God had prescribed for sacrifice. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Cain was upset because God didn't give his approval of his sacrifice. And this is what the Lord says. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is right, but if you do not do what is right, sin, listen to this, sin is crouching at the door. And this is the picture that I get. I picture picture a door and I'm on the other side of the door and sin is behind the door and it's crouching like a tiger, Right? That's what I picture when I read that section. Sin is behind the door. It's crouching by the door. And it's waiting for me to turn the knob. And what is it wanting to do? It desires to have you. Desires to have you. Sin wants to control our lives. My life and your life. Sin and temptation and sin. The enemy wants us to turn the knob. To open the door. And to let sin come and pounce on us and control our life sin desires to have you but what does God say but you must rule over it you must rule over it you must say no you must reject you must repent you must set up guardrails in your life to not allow sin to have you to take dominion in your life and and I want to tell you that sin wants to cling so closely to you and so maybe in 2020 you're carrying over from 2019 maybe you're carrying some things over from 2019 some sins that you've been walking in maybe it's offense and bitterness who who hurt you in 2019 maybe it was 2018 so we tend to hold on to our offenses really long 
Maybe it was even longer than that. Who has offended you that you're carrying this offense that has turned into bitterness, that has turned into anger? Are you carrying that into 2020? You don't have to carry that sin. You can let it go. Your life into the future as a believer in Jesus Christ doesn't have to be marked by offense and bitterness and anger. You can let it go. But why, why, why can we let go of the offense and the bitterness? And, and, and so, because here's what we think. Well, they don't deserve that we would forgive them. They, de- they, they deserve punishment. They deserve that we would hold on to that. And you know what happens when we hold on to offense and bitterness? It stains our whole life. And the person you're offended at and bitter at, they may, not, they, they may be whistling in, in the wind somewhere. And here you are over there in, in the corner. Your whole life is stained by the offense and the bitterness. And you're not letting it go. What is the basis of letting go of our offense and forgiving others? It's realizing that we were the guilty party just like those we're mad at. It's realizing that apart from Christ, that we were infinitely guilty and not worthy of forgiveness. But in Christ, he has forgiven us all things. And that is the foundation of forgiveness. So don't carry into 2020 offense and bitterness and anger. Lay it down because of what the gospel has done in your life. Maybe your 2019 was marked by, by addiction. Maybe there's some addictions in your life. Maybe they're sexual addictions. Maybe they're, they're substances, alcohol, drugs. Whatever the addictions are, it's lust, pornography. Whatever the sins are in your life, today you can make a day, you can make a, a point today to say that, that I am not going to carry over into this year the, the stronghold and, and, and the weight, the sin that are, that is clinging so closely to me that is causing me to not be able to walk in victory in my Christian life. 2020 doesn't have to be that way. Doesn't have to be marked by sin. You can let it go. You can lay it at the foot of the cross. You can be forgiven. I just want to say this. It doesn't matter how great of a sin you've committed. And and you you may say here this morning, you just don't know what I've done. You don't know how much I've done. And you're carrying that over into 2020 and you're thinking, there's no way that God can forgive me. There's no way that God can cleanse me. I've done too much. There's nothing that you can do that if you don't come humbly before the throne of grace, that you will not obtain mercy and grace in your time of need. All of it. Christ died for it all. The worst sin you can think of, he died for it. And you can surrender it here today. If that's you here today, leave it in the past. Move forward today where these weights aren't clinging to you. The second thing we see in the text here, firstly, you can't run the race if you're carrying extra baggage. Secondly, you can't run the race like it is a sprint. You can't run the race like it is a sprint. Look at what the text says. And let us run with, say that word with me, endurance the race that is set before us. So the writer of Hebrews says something interesting here. He uses the word endurance. Do you need endurance for a 100-yard dash? No, you need, you need some Burst of energy. You need to have been training with these things. (laughs) Maybe a little bit heavier, right? That's what you train with these weights for. You don't train with this, I wouldn't guess. Do you, Jory? Train for a marathon with these? Only marathon runner I know in here. There's some others in here, but you're the only one I see because you're so tall. (laughs) You don't train with these, do you, for a marathon? No? Yes? Would you tell me yes, even if I asked you? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
You train with those for a sprint. From my non-professional opinion. But you don't need endurance for a sprint. You don't need endurance. You're just trying to get from point A to point B as quickly as you can. But for a marathon, you need endurance. And so you can't run the race of your Christian life like it is a sprint. You can't run the race of your Christian life like all of a sudden, hey, I, I got saved and we're going to get to heaven really quick. And it's going to be roses and, 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 and peaches and cream and, and uh, cookie two-step ice cream and whatever else you think is beautiful. That's not the Christian life. I hate to break it to you. You all know that, don't you? I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. The Christian life is a marathon. And it's not a marathon in South Louisiana where it's all flat. It's a marathon in, in Northern California where there's peaks and there's valleys and there's ups and there's downs and there's times where you're running up the, up the, up the side of the mountain and you're thinking, God, where are you? And if you're running your Christian life like it is a sprint and you're thinking there's not going to be any peaks to climb, you're going you're to be tempted to what? To not endure. You're going to be tempted to give up. So as you're going into your 2020, we have to have this mindset, this burn the ships mindset that I'm going to endure. I know that there are good things in front of me. As the song said, I know there's breakthrough coming, but I also know that there's a brick wall coming too. I also know that there's a, there's a hill I got to climb. I also know that there's tragedy that I don't know is coming and it's around the corner. Good news here today. Tragedy is coming. If Hebrews 12 gives us the admonition to run with endurance, then it must mean that in our Christian life, we will need it. We need endurance. This is what endurance is. Endurance is the steady determination to keep going and to not give up. It's the steady determination to keep going in your Christian life and to not give up no matter what happens. I'm going to endure. Satan, you you can throw, throw your best shot at me. Throw that discouragement, throw that fear, throw that anxiety, throw that worry. Yeah, I see you crouching at the door. You're wanting me to turn the handle. But you know what? I'm going to endure. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. And and I'm going to win the victory through the power of the the Holy Spirit over whatever the attack of the enemy is. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Philippians 4, Apostle Paul said this, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. And here's the same type of burning ships mindset. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining. That's what you do in a race, right? You're straining forward to what lies ahead. What do we do? I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Because we live in a sin-cursed world, life will throw punches at us. Our, 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 our race is going to take us through peaks and valleys. If we do not have, listen, if we do not have an unwavering trust in the goodness and sovereignty of God, we will struggle to keep the faith in life doesn't make sense. And we'll want to give up. When life throws a curveball at you, and it doesn't make sense, and you're, and you're questioning and doubting, You'll be tempted to not endure and to throw in the towel if you don't have a view of God's providential hand in your life and his goodness and his faithfulness. You know, I'm going to touch a little bit on what Freddie touched last week. He talked about Joseph just for a second, and I just want to talk about that in, in this context of endurance. 
that the Christian life is not a sprint. It does take endurance. You, you guys remember last week we talked about Joseph and all the things Joseph went through. He came, Joseph came with a dream. And he told his brothers this dream. And maybe he was naive. Maybe he shouldn't have shared the dream. Maybe, maybe he, it came across as arrogant and cocky. I, I don't really know. The text doesn't really point either direction. But either way, his brothers got jealous and angry at him. And they plotted to kill him. Their first plan wasn't to sell him into slavery. The first plan was to kill the guy. And so that's what they did. They, they were getting ready to kill him. And finally Reuben spoke up and said, this is not a good idea. Let's not kill him. But let's just, let's just throw him in this pit. And Reuben's plan, Genesis tells us, his plan was to go back later on and let Joseph out. And so, goes on, story goes on. And while they're sitting around eating, they come up with that plan. They see some, a caravan from Egypt coming. Some people who are slave traders. And they come and, and one of their brothers says, hey, I know what we can do. Let's sell them into slavery into Egypt. So that's the start of Joseph's journey. And you go all the way through his journey. Abandoned by his brothers. His murderous brothers wanted to kill him. He experienced that rejection. Then he's sold into slavery. Then, then he's in, in Egypt in slavery. Then he's falsely accused. He keeps rising to the top because of his character. But he gets falsely accused. Thrown back into prison. Over and over and over again. Rejected, rejected, rejected. Falsely accused. And this is not just like a prison where there's high, def, high definition television. And this wasn't, that's not what it was like in Egypt, I guarantee you. This was real prison. And here's Joseph. He gets to the end of his, this journey. He becomes second in command over all of Egypt. And his brothers are coming because there's famine in the land. His brothers come. They come to Joseph. Why? Because he's over all the food. The same brothers that sold him into slavery, who are, who, who are now desperate for food, they come to their brother that they wanted to kill. So Joseph, he doesn't look like he used to. He looks like an Egyptian. They don't recognize him. Genesis 45 says he can't control it anymore. He's like, I just have to reveal myself to him. I have to let them know who I am. And this section of scripture is the most powerful declaration of the sovereignty and providence of God in the life of a human being that I can think of. Listen to what Joseph says. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I'm your brother, Joseph. And I underlined some things. What did he say? Whom you sold to Egypt. Was he saying they were still accountable? Were they accountable? He said, yes, you did it, brothers. You're the ones who did it. And now, verse 5, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Twice, Joseph declares that they were guilty and they did it. But look at what he says. He has a view of God's overall plan. And when we're talking about the race of our Christian life, we must have this same view. For Don't be angry at yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest and God sent me before you to preserve life for you, to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you. Wow. It was not you. Who sent me here? He just said, he told him twice, you did it. You did it. You're guilty. You're the ones that did it. Don't, but don't be angry at yourselves. It actually wasn't you. 
I don't, I don't know if that resonates with you, but it freaks me out. It really does. I'm, I mean, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. What? Joseph, what? God, you're putting that in the Bible? Are you telling me that the pain and the heartache and the rejection, the suffering, the loss, you're in it, God? I'll just leave the word of God with you. to You can process that on your own time. I don't know how all that shakes out and God's good in the midst of all of it. But if I'm going to land somewhere in 2020, because I know the challenges are coming, and I, where, I, where I want you to land and where I have to land is, God, I don't know what's going to come. But when it does come, I'm going to rest all of my weight on the reality that you are not a distant God somewhere off in, the, in, in, in nothingness out there and you, you haven't removed yourself from us. You are with us in the middle just as Joseph said, it wasn't you who did it. God sent me here. And I don't know why I had to endure the pain. I can read, we can read between the lines. I don't know why I had to endure all the pain, but God sent me here. He has a greater good and a greater purpose, and that has to mark your life moving into 2020 and for the rest of your life. The Christian life is not a sprint. The Christian race is not a sprint, and we must have endurance. So it was not you who sent me here, but God He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord over all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Amen? I know that's heavy. It's truth. Listen to this song by Crowder. I just love this. I I love Crowder. David Crowder. You can look up this song. It's called Yet, Yet I Will Praise You. Listen to these words. Should the night fall, should the grave call, should the shadows hide the light from my eyes, Should the winds rage, should the ground shake, should the valley last for miles and miles? Through the dark days, through the heartbreak, through though sorrow makes its home by my side, in the waiting, in the aching, though I'm standing in the midst of the fire, yet will I praise you. Yet will I praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, yet. Will I praise you? You're still worthy. You're still holy. You deserve all of the glory. Amen? Amen. Third thing we learn about this race. Firstly, we learn that you can't have extra baggage in this race. And this race is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And thirdly, you can't run the race if you lose sight of what you're pursuing. You can't run the race if you lose sight of what you're pursuing. How many of you know if you get into a race, you got to know where you're headed, right? You gotta know where the finish line is. I remember we had the 5K back here and, and, and Jory showed me the map. Sorry to pick on you today, Jory. I was like, that is a confusing map. I mean, it's like going like this and then like this and then back over here. I'm like, how did you keep them on track? He said, well, we put flags out and he came and stood over here pointing people in the right direction and, and it was a little confusing where the finish line was. Who, who ran the race? The 5K race for the pumpkin patch, the pumpkin dash. Nobody in here did? Thank you. Was it confusing? No, okay, you, you, you messed up my illustration. <laughs> Good job, Jory. Good job. But you got to know where the finish line is, right? That's the premise of a race. You have a starting line and you have a finishing line. But you got to know why you're in the race, right? You're there to win. You're there to, you're there to finish. But what, is, what, 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 what are we pursuing in our Christian life? 
It's not what, but it's, it's who. Who are we pursuing? And that's what I believe we need to understand within the Christian race, that our motivation is everything. And this is what the Apostle Paul says here, or I should say the writer of Hebrews. This is what he says here. Look at this next section. He says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So this race, you can't have the weights that cling so closely. You've got to lay down all these weights that are trying to hinder us, whether it's, whether it's weights that aren't sinful, but weights that are sinful. You've got to lay down all the weights, and you have to run with endurance. You can't look at the race like it's a sprint. There's going to be peaks and valleys. You have to have the right mindset for the race that you're in. But what do you have to do? You've got to look to Jesus. You've got to keep your eyes on the prize. You, got, you have to look to him. And what do we look at when we see Jesus? What is our motivate? How does looking at Jesus motivate us in our Christian life? We look at what he did. We look at who he is. And that's what I want us to do as we close this message. I want us to look at what he did. Listen to this next verse right here. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is our pursuit. Jesus is our motivation in our life. And what motivates us? What motivates us is his love for us. What what does it say there? What does the writer of Hebrews say? He says, for the joy that was set before Christ, he endured the cross. And it says he despised the shame. What does it mean that Jesus despised the shame? Kind of a little bit of some confusing language here. What does it mean to despise the shame? You know, when, when, when people were crucified, during Roman times, they weren't crucified with clothes on. They were crucified naked. And so he's completely exposed. And what's one of the most shameful things that can happen in your life is to be exposed with no clothes on in front of people. Not only exposed with no clothes on in front of people, but being beaten and bloodied and disfigured, no clothes on. What is, so so what, what, what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that for the joy of obedience to the Father... And for the joy of what will take place after the cross, for the joy of the fact that there will be a bridge between his creation and God now, between his creation and himself, there'll be a bridge back for relationship. Because of that joy, he looked at the shame that would come because of being exposed in front of everyone. And he says, I, I don't even care about that shame. I despise that shame. I will not allow that shame to deter me from going to the cross. Because the joy of what can happen, the joy of what will happen on the other side of the cross is greater than the shame. The joy is greater than the shame. And when we look at that, what more motivation do we need? That's what we're pursuing. You can't forget who you're pursuing. He looked at the shame that came with being naked and exposed for all to see, and he disregarded it. But he chose rather to embrace that shame for me. Look what the next section says there. It says, consider him. He said, looking to Jesus. Now he says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We are pursuing the one who has pursued us. We are pressing to lay hold of the one who has laid hold of us. In our Christian life, this is the race we are in. We must continually remind ourselves of the why behind our pursuit. This is the reason why we're in a race, because he laid hold of us first. He pursued us first. He ran after us first. He took our shame upon himself. To be a Christian means we have burned the ships. 
We have burned every means of transportation back to our old life because of what Christ has done in our life, what he's done on our behalf. So as you look at 2020, I want to read Galatians 2.20. This is what it means. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So as you look into the next leg of your race, the 2020 leg of your race, I don't know how many more legs you have. If you've got 21 coming, 22, 23, that's in the Lord's hands. But as you look at 2020, the next leg of your race, my encouragement to us as, as, as we conclude here this morning is to lay it all down. What are the hindrances? What are the weights? What are the weights that have been clinging so closely? And they feel a lot heavier than five pounds. Some of them feel like a thousand pounds of weight on your shoulder. The discouragement, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the sin. You're weighed down. Today's the day. Don't, don't, don't go tomorrow. Don't let Monday come and still carry those weights. Lay them down today. Lay them down today. What might God do in and through the lives of people who live with the burn the ships mindset? We're not going back to our old ways. We're not retreating to the false comfort of sinful habits. We're fully committed to Christ. No turning back. And here's my conclusion that I started with. I just love the picture in John 6. This is what it takes. All these other disciples, they left. They said, we're out because it got hard. We're out because it didn't make sense. What you just said is too difficult to hear. Kind of like Genesis 45. Ah, goodness. I'm just getting out because it doesn't make sense to me. It's too hard. And that's what they did. They left and John 6, 66 says this. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What did Peter basically tell Jesus? There's nowhere else to go. There's no, there's no escape hatch. There's nothing else. We're all in. Peter was tested in that commitment, wasn't he? But the Lord was with him. So that's my question to you here today. Are you all in with the Lord? Have, have you burned the ships today? Why don't you stand to your feet with me? Have you burned the ships today? What is it in your life that you need to let go of? What is it in your life that you need to lay at the feet of Jesus here today? And this is what we're going to do. We're going to end like this. This, this may not be for, for everybody. I believe it could be for everybody if we, if we really allow the Holy Spirit to probe deep in our heart. But whatever it is in your life that you need to lay down, whether it's weights and burdens or it's sins that are clinging so closely, whatever it is, this is what I, I, I want us to do. I want us to end this year together praying together with the Lord. So if you can make your way down front, if that's you, just come down and join me here today. We just, we're going to end real quickly. It's not going to take long. Just make your way down. Let's lay them down. Let's lay them down today. Lay down the burdens today. 
Lay down what you've been tempted to carry into 2020. Don't carry it into 2020. Don't carry the anxiety. Don't carry the burdens, the fear, the worry. Lay it down today and declare today that today is a new day. That today is a new part of my journey in Christ. And I'm no longer going to allow the weights that have burdened me and have, and have impacted my spiritual life. I'm no longer going to allow them to, to destroy my future. But I'm going to lay them down. Lord, it's what we do today. God, we lay them down. We surrender today, God. We lay down every weight. God, I lay down fear and anxiety over this church. God, it's a burden that I'm tempted to carry into 2020, but God, this is your church and these are your people. This is your work. God, I refuse to carry into 2020 fear and anxiety and worry about this church. God, it's yours. I lay it down today. God, I lay down anxiety about about my kids and, and about my family and things that I have no control over. God, I lay those down here today at your feet. God, we lay down sin and temptation here today. God, we will choose you. God, we want to choose you today over every temptation and sin. Sin is around the door crouching and waiting to, to pounce on us. But Lord, I pray about by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would rule over it. We would say no to the flesh and yes to the Holy Spirit. I thank you that 2020 is going to, going to be the best year for us here today. That as a result of, of seeing these things and recognizing what has happened in the past, we're going to move forward today with a new future. God, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you will do. God, I pray that those here today that are struggling with offense, I pray that today they leave it at, at the altar. They don't walk out those doors with that offense and that bitterness. I thank you that they're free today. Thank you those that are struggling with addiction. They're free today. Those that are struggling with guilt and condemnation, they're free today. Lord, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing. We bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you. Happy New Year.